Hey, it's Jordan with the Pop Dust Podcast. I have not posted an episode in about a week. In acknowledgement and support of the George Floyd protests here in New York and across the country. This is episode 20 featuring the band Cub Sport. They've been getting a lot of good press. Rolling Stone Australia gave their upcoming album Like Nirvana four and a half out of five stars. The album is out July 24th. And here is my interview with lead singer and songwriter Tim Nelson. Tim. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I like your psychedelic Christmas lights in the background. Oh, thank you. <laughs> are you about, are you, are you all about like creating, a good, have you created a good vibe in your home because you had to spend so much time there? Yeah, we have actually. It's, we've been putting a little bit more time into it. We got some new plants and that sort of thing and we, um, put all of our crystals out under the Scorpio full moon the other week. And so the vibes are good. So I'm interviewing you. Are you in Brisbane right now? Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in New York. So we got a 14 hour difference. It's 10 AM Brisbane time and 8 PM New York time. I, you know, I go on the Cub Sport, the Cub Sport Instagram, see what you guys have been doing last couple of days. And you posted this, 4.5 star review from Rolling Stone for the new album, like Nirvana, which isn't out yet, but they did the review anyway. So congrats on that. Thank you. So first of all, you guys just put a new album out last summer, or last American summer, last July, June, June July. So why did you turn around and, and make a com uh, completely fresh album so quickly? It kind of just happened. Like I, I've always... I've always been someone who writes kind of all the time or whenever I have an opportunity to write. And it's kind of become a way for me to like process and understand my own experiences. Cause a lot of the time when I'm writing, it sort of just flows through me. And then when I like look back on it and reflect on it, it kind of like, it's become a part of the way that I live, like writing and making music. And so when the songs were kind of coming and it felt like it was finished, it just, yeah, it, it felt like the right thing to do to just keep pressing on and put it out. And you guys did a little bit, uh, you did an EP um, in uh, December, I guess. Is, 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 are those songs related? Are they from the same sessions? You know, are you guys always recording different places? Do you record from home? So tell me your process, how you put stuff together. Yeah, so I mainly record at home in this room that I'm in right now. And the those three songs that we put out in December were actually originally going to be on um, this fourth album. And after we got back from tour in October last year, I kind of just had this fresh wave of inspiration and I was writing a bunch of songs that I was just so excited about. And it was confessions was one of the songs that I recorded and I listened back and 
I, like I almost had like adrenaline or something. Like it was so exhilarating for me, and and it just felt like a new place for Cub Sport and and the songs um, that I had written about a year before that that I still really loved. Um, they but they didn't they didn't really feel like they I. I didn't feel like I identified with them in a strong enough way that I could like move into like the next album cycle or whatever, where it can be like a year to 18 months of talking about the songs and performing them. And they, those songs kind of become uh, something that like define like the next, however um, many months of your life. And so I felt like, I felt like I just needed to get those songs out quickly because I still really loved them and I wanted people to hear them, but I don't really feel like they were a reflection of like who I am now or who I was even like a few months ago when we locked away the album. So that was kind of the thinking behind putting out that EP before putting out songs from this album. Well, they're, they're still great songs. It's still a really okay. great, yeah, yeah. What I what I really like about you about about the band is that, you know, I feel like starting with Bats, which came out in 2017, I guess, that you've kind of been on this streak, and I feel like it's re- it's really you're doing a really good job of. You recognize that you're at a creative peak, that you are at like your your songwriting powers are fully realized, and you're putting out what you can while you're on that high is is that kind of the general idea yeah i guess so do you, like feel, it, do you, feel, really... do you feel like you're on a create that you're in a creative peak right now somewhat yeah i i feel like i think i've always felt like i've been in a creative peak and but i think that i've i've always had um a willingness to like follow my gut and take risks and and i feel like that is one of our greatest strengths as a group and like with cub sport is that we we are very rarely looking outward to see what we should be doing to like find success or to find a fan base or whatever it's we're somewhat of like a a very unique group and in a unique situation where we're our own management and we're our own label and all of the plans and the songs and the visuals like we're like basically doing everything ourselves and so it it doesn't feel like we are too heavily impacted by like outward forces or opinions or whatever um but it does feel like there are other people who are starting to like feel like I'm um reaching like a creative peak or whatever and in the early years it was just me being like, I'm like really good at this, but I, I like I, I do feel like I'm like getting better and it's it's really exciting to kind of be building my confidence all the time and like and running running with that. Now, Cub Sport started as more of a solo project. Can you tell me about the evolution of it going from your solo thing to a full band? Why you decided to go in that direction? So yeah, we started playing our first shows just under the name Tim Nelson and the songs were like legitimately like 
pretty bad back then. <laughs> um, but I asked Dan, Zoe and Sam if they would play for me for this gig that I had booked and I wanted to play with the band and they did it. And then we just kept booking shows and we were just playing together. And then as I started to write songs that felt a bit more like bandy, I don't know. Um, we changed from the name Tim Nelson to Tim Nelson and the Cub Scouts. And then we kind of did more of the same thing. just like playing a bunch of shows around um, our hometown, Brisbane. And then it wasn't until we recorded a bunch of songs with Melbourne producer, John Castle, um, that we got the recordings back and we felt like we had kind of arrived at like a place where the music sounded ready to be heard by a wider audience. And I think we could recognize that. And we could also recognize that the name Tim Nelson and the Cub Scouts and it, the, I don't know, the, that name just made me feel like a funny way about like, like being me and my like group of musicians or something. I don't know. It just felt like we needed to like cut, the Tim Nelson from it. It, it sounds like an old scouts. tiny band from the sixties or the fifties or sixties or something. <laughs> yeah. It, it was the wrong energy. Um, but yeah, so in 2011, we put out our first single Evie, which I wrote about one of my dogs and we kind of launched the band properly under the name Cub Scouts. And then we put out a couple of EPs and then we were asked by Scouts Australia to change our name because I think Cub, I think we started showing up before the Australian Cub Scouts on Google. And so they wanted us to like not be interfering with their, with their search results. Um, and so we changed the name to Cub Sport and then, yeah, then we put out three albums under that name and here we are now. I actually prefer the name Cub Sport. I think it's a, I think it's a cooler name. So it, it, in my opinion, it worked out, you know. Yeah, me too. I really like the name Cubs for now. So, the 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 what are you, what you've released from like Nirvana so far is great. You've got the single Drive out now, which is gorgeous, and it's the the lyric, the video. Um, it's you you and you and Sam being really, really adorable is really no other way to put it. <laughs> um, so tell me about, tell me the story. I like hearing stories about how songs came to be. So can you tell me about how Drive came to be, how you wrote it and how you produced it? So I'd been playing that, um, like kind of the intro part just on the piano, which is like just there, you can see it. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd been playing that for a couple of months, but it hadn't really become a song yet. I was just playing like dun, 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 dun. And in December last year, I was just down here kind of like playing around with some sounds and that sort of thing recording. And Sam came down and started playing that part on my Alessis synth um, with that kind of, it's like a guitar-y synth kind of sound. It reminds me of Cindy Lauper, True Colors. And when Sam played it on that sound, something just kind of started to click and I recorded it in and then I was sort of just like singing whatever over the top of it. And I 
I put this, I put the formant effect on it to like kind of make my voice sound like it was pitched up. And I loved how it sounded. It sounded like really innocent and pure and kind of like a, a more like feminine voice. And so I just started singing with that effect on and it kind of just came through quite quickly. And um, I spent a few hours kind of working on it from that point. And then we had a friend's wedding that we had to go to. And so I like did a quick bounce of the demo and then we listened to it driving in the car to this wedding that was like a couple of hours west of where we are up in the hills. Such a romantic scene you're setting right now. Yeah, it, it was quite magical. And um, we we went outside at the wedding um, for like a little breather from the reception. And there were like all of these trees full of fairy lights and one of my favorite things about writing songs is kind of like the day that I write it when I've forgotten what it sounds like. And, and it's like, when I listen to it again, it, it's kind of like the closest thing that I'll get to the experience of like a fan listening to a new song when it's like that fresh that parts of it are still kind of surprising to me. And we were just walking around under the fairy lights, listening to the demo out of my phone and it just felt like so warm and lovely. And then um, Dan recorded in the drums. I'd kind of just like put in some um, programmed drums, but I think when Dan recorded those in on a kit, he just like set up one mic and played along and it, it really just came together. And then Zoe added her vocals and and I think that that was when it like really hit like peak heavenly status. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, you and you and Sam being both bandmates and, and partners, how do you balance that out? Do you, are you able to separate, like, we're not talking about music today. We're just going to hang out and, and, you know, be together. Or is there always music being thrown about when you guys are together? I feel like finding that balance is something that we'll like always be trying to work towards because Sam kind of does most of the management stuff and I do most of the artist stuff. There's almost <clears throat> always <clears throat> something that we need to be talking about or figuring out. But I think that this, uh, like the pandemic and being in lockdown has allowed us to kind of slow down our pace a little. And I think, geographically being like in one place it just helps um with feeling a bit more grounded and kind of it feels less like a like constant head spin and so i think we have been getting better at um finding time to kind of just like hang out and enjoy each other's company and like it not being work all the time which is really nice I'm I'm in New York. I've never been to Australia. And I'm curious about the Brisbane music scene. Is it the cooler place to live over Sydney or, or what's the, the music like in Brisbane? I love Brisbane as a city and as a music scene as well. I think in our earlier years when we were kind of here much more often and we had time to go out and see other shows, we'd go see our friends play and um, you probably, you probably know Hatchie. 
Um, so she's one of our best friends and um, Joe, who has his own project called Rinse and he used to play in a band called The Creases and he also plays in Hatchie. Joe was a really big part of the visuals behind our first album and he um, we've done a bunch of music videos together. And when I think about uh, sort of our origins in the Brisbane music scene and making meaningful connections with other creative people in the city that like kind of shaped our career. I always think of um, Joe and Harriet from Hatchie. And then more recently, um, Maul Rat, who is another friend and like, another artist who we really who you've adore. collaborated with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's been really cool. Like the, there is a genuine like community here, I feel. And I think um, Sydney and Melbourne have that as well, but I, I, maybe it's just because I'm from Brisbane, but I've always felt like Brisbane is just <laughs> that little bit more like chill and like welcoming or something. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. What, what did you grow up listening to? Um, did you listen to a lot of American music, a lot of uh, British music or... or... Australian, what did you grow up listening to? I was always really obsessed with pop music growing up. I I really loved the um, band Aqua from Denmark. Yeah, sure. Um, I, like, I remember hearing Dr. Jones and that being kind of like the first time that I felt like obsessed with music and it was the first single that I bought and that was when I was like, oh, I want to be in a band. And then I remember watching Rage, which is our um, music video television show, and seeing, I think it was the first time that Hit Me Baby One More Time was on TV in Australia. And just being like, like, who is this? Like, this is incredible. And so I, I got really obsessed with Britney Spears and I've like I always have been and I still am like even even in like 2007 when the world was turning on her like I've I've always been a number one Britney stan you st you've stuck and by Britney all these years I have and I'm so happy that the world is like has become so much kinder to her and like the the her career is like incredible like that when you watch her music videos back and that sort of thing it's just is like truly like mind blowing. Um, What's crazy is how expensive her music videos were. Like how many millions of dollars and the sets and the costumes and the backup dancers. It's just mind blowing considering how even bigger bands now make cheaper videos. Yeah. Those I I think that like I it's my dream to make like some of those ridiculously high budget music videos one day. Yeah. Almost like just to do it. Like we want to put some explosions in the background. We want 30 backup dancers. We want them all to be synced up, you know, like what, whatever you can think of. <laughs> yeah. I think kind of growing up in, uh, and like watching music videos through like the late nineties, early two thousands and seeing just so many high budget music videos, you almost, start to like take it for granted I think and then looking back on it now I'm just like oh my goodness like these artists were just like going all out were you were you in were you were you team in sync or team backstreet 
Um, I was into the Backstreet Boys. Okay. Okay. But but I I liked both. Yeah. And um, then on on the, I was just gonna say on the flip side of like growing up loving pop music, um, my dad used to listen to a lot of Pink Floyd and Leonard Cohen and um, some Cindy Lauper as well. And so I kind of had those artists when I playing when I would like be in the car with dad and that sort of thing. So. I, and, I, and I've started to appreciate those artists more now. Like Leonard Cohen is one of my favorite writers and it's been really cool to like go back and revisit that yeah. at an age where I can properly appreciate it. And Leonard Cohen's known for really beautiful imagery and, and really great lyrics, which you have been praised of or accused of. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and whenever you read a, uh, an article about Cub Sport, either an album review or an interview or something, people talk about how personal and introspective your lyrics are. Do you consciously think like, I really have to pour my soul out? Or is that just your style? I think it's just something that I've, I've kind of grown used to doing and it, like, and it feels good to get stuff out. Like I... I'm queer and I didn't come out until I was 25. And so I think that after feeling like I need to hide so much of myself for so many years now to have the freedom to like kind of just share everything and to feel safe and to know that my family, they're like, they're hearing it and they like love and support me and, I've got friends who are like behind me all the way. It's kind of something that I've always wanted to do. And now that I realize that I can like be personal and share with the world, like what's happening, like in my heart and like in my mind, it, it kind of just feels like I, I feel lighter when I like get these things out of me and like put it into a form that, I like really love it's kind of like taking often it's like taking the heaviness and then turning it into like something that um, feels like really like beautiful to me. If you could be a band in either the eighties or the nineties, which era would you choose? Uh, I would choose nineties. And why is that? Probably because I know it better, but also because I, I love the aesthetics of the nineties and yeah, the, the first band that came to mind was Savage Garden and they're another uh, Brisbane band fronted with like a queer front person. And that like, I would, I would love to be Savage Garden. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tim, I really appreciate it. I'll let you go. Um, enjoy the rest of your day and thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Popness Podcast. I'm Jordan Edwards. You can find me at jordanedwardsstudio.com or on Instagram at jordanedwardsstudio. And check out the latest in pop culture, music, and entertainment at popdust.com. <laughs> <laughs>